You're listening to Rooted and Overflowing. Welcome to episode 13 of Rooted and Overflowing. Today's episode is brought to you by R&O Style Company, where our t-shirts boldly express confidence in Christ and resilience in the faith. Each shirt features a scripture reference and highlights the anchor word of the verse. You'll love the quality of the shirt. It is strong and soft to the touch, and it fits well wash after wash. Visit LetitiaEvans.com shop. That's L-E-T-I-T-I-A Evans.com shop and get ready to wear the word. Links will be in the show notes. August is here, and around this time, we are simultaneously squeezing out the last bit of summer while also looking ahead to a busy and full fall season. Wherever you are in this equation, public health crisis notwithstanding, prayer is a critical part of our strategy to win. A few episodes ago, I mentioned that the first podcast I hosted was way back in 2016. It was called Letitia's Loft. My very first guest for my very first episode was my husband, Roderick. He kicked off the podcast uh, with the series Real Talk About Prayer. I went back and dusted off this conversation because prayer is timeless. The strategies that the enemy uses to keep us from praying haven't changed, nor has the power of prayer diminished in the face of changing times. In 2016, my husband was about nine years in to his illness, so I appreciate him taking the time to chat with me, and I cherish the opportunity to have one of our talks recorded. He's full of rich wisdom, and I consider myself blessed to be his wife. So without further delay, let's get to it. Real talk about prayer. Our ability to communicate with God is life-changing. In times of trouble, prayer is our lifeline. In times of peace, it sustains us. So much has been said, is being said, and will continue to be said about the importance of prayer and how an intentional life of prayer can help us live and thrive in life. God uses people all over the world to keep us reminded of this. Prayer is just that important. It cannot be minimized in our lives anymore. Many of us have prayed on the fly and we've used the lack of time management as an excuse for not taking time to pray. We haven't taken time to learn how to add it to our day and insert it into different parts of our day and our activities. And if we'd be honest with ourselves, we're not experiencing the victory in our lives that we could be experiencing and that we really want to experience as believers in Christ. So I invite you to decide today that you will not let your flesh or the enemy of our souls cheat you anymore out of your time in the presence of God. Roderick Evans is a prophetic minister. He's an author, a Bible lecturer, a Christian apologist, a songwriter, and my list could go on. He is the founder of Abundant Truth International Ministries, which is a prophetic and Christian apologetic ministry with a commission to defend, equip, and contend for Christ's kingdom. He has traveled the world to fulfill the duties of the call that's on his life. Roderick is an ordained elder and serves under the leadership of the great pastor of our church that our family loves and attends. 
Rod and I have been friends since college, and since that time, I have seen and heard him pray fervently. He will pray at various times of the night and early mornings. Even as his health has challenged him over the past several years, I still see him living a life of prayer. And I'm honored to share this conversation that we had about a topic that I know is very dear to his heart. With that being said, welcome Roger Evans. Uh, thanks for such a gracious introduction, dear. It's my pleasure to have you on today. So to start our conversation, Rod, what is prayer? You know, through the years, when we hear the word prayer, we swing to both sides of the, of the pendulum. You have those that when they want to say, well, prayer is just simply communicating with God. And then you get others that go way on the other end that say prayer is something that should be deep and mystical. You should come out with certain feelings and emotions and certain certain spiritual phenomenon where, well, really, when you look in the scriptures, because I believe that if you're going to define it, we can really only define it by how it is expressed and not what has been developed. And so when you look in the scriptures in Genesis, you find that the first time there is a real mention of prayer, even as we understand it, really is in Genesis 4 and 26. You know, after Seth was born and after, of course, he grew up and then he had Enoch, the scriptures tell us that then did men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And even in the Hebrew, when you look at that word call and calling upon the name of the Lord, the the Hebrew word for that is kowral. And it means, and of course it has several meanings depending on how you use it. But one of those meanings is to invite or summon. And so what that gives us to know that when we pray, we are inviting and asking God to be involved in our life in our situation in its most basic terms because we understand that by the spirit of God we can have a dialogue with God but prayer isn't necessarily communication between myself and God it's me inviting God into my situation making requests even in the New Testament, when we look at the apostles and, and look at their usage of the word pray, the word that they would use would be to wish for. You understand? So that at the heart of prayer, it really is coming before God to ask for something, to make a request, to make a supplication unto God. Though we understand there are many types of prayers, but in its basis form, prayer was designed for us to come to God in order to invite him into our situation. I like how you take the concept of prayer back to the beginning. So I'd like to also ask, why then do we pray? You know, what does prayer do for us and how does it help us? To really have a good basis for why we pray and understanding, you know, how how it does, you know, affect our lives, we, it, it still begins and ends with God. 
many people approach prayer as this system to be worked. But prayer isn't a system to be worked because we're praying to a living God who has his own will, volition. You understand? So that that prayer works, if you will, only in the fact of our God is faithful to his word, meaning that the amount of prayer and the act of prayer, those things are on our end, meaning that when we approach God and we come to God, you know, we're going to come with our emotions, with our faith and all of those things. But in the end, the thing that makes prayer work is the fact that our God is alive and he's faithful. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about something that has given me pause just in my own life. What is the balance of asking God for things in prayer and taking time to thank him and worship him for what he has done? Just from growing up, you know, we're conditioned to be polite. And when we meet people, you know, we're told, you know, you don't ask for anything. And somehow it has spilled over into our life with God. We could be visiting someone and they'll offer a drink of water or coffee and we'll say, no, thank you. And we're really sitting there dying of thirst. Well, it's almost as if we try to present ourselves or to present some sort of a neat package to God and thank him for keeping us without really being real with him and asking him for things. Can you shed some light on how we can balance that out? Yeah, that is that is a good question. Um, But I believe we can get right to the heart of it when we look at what Jesus said about prayer. When he gave when the disciples came to him and asked him to show them how to pray, you see in the elements of that prayer that there were definite times where we were instructed through that model prayer to ask for something. The whole idea of us coming to God is to ask. Those were the parameters and boundaries that he set. And though I think many people suffer from Christian guilt, thinking that if every time I pray, I'm asking for something, maybe that means I'm less spiritual or I'm less appreciative or that means I'm greedy. No, it means that you are obedient to what our Lord taught us. So when he gave us the Lord's prayer, when he gave us that prayer, after acknowledging God, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that we are coming before you because you're holy, you're righteous, you're true, you reign in heaven, and we want your will to be done. What follows? Give us this day our daily bread. You understand? And forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation. Right there in those in those words, we first ask. And he said, when you come before God, once you've acknowledged him and worshiped him as God and as a father, he says, understand, you can't ask him, please provide for me. Please forgive me. (laughs) 
And please keep me from the adversary. Keep me from walking in wickedness. He and him giving them the model prayer said, come to me and ask. When we look at the when he gave the parable and when he said men ought to always pray and not faint. But the description that he gave in the parable that was attached to that commandment to always pray was of a woman who had a need so that we never have to feel guilty about coming and asking because those were his instructions. And so that obviously, even in that model prayer, we see those elements of worship. We see those elements of, of you know, acknowledging God for who he is and his awesome power. But prayer was specifically designed for us to come and make request that it is not an evil thing you understand and we and we try to make it a mark of spirituality to say god i'm coming before you not to ask for anything if you're coming before him to worship him then come before him and worship him you know what I'm saying? There's a difference between a worship setting and a prayer setting. Some, of course, elements will always overlap. But the whole issue of praying is to come and make a supplication, to make a request. So, Rod, how does prayer benefit us and how does it benefit the people we are praying for? When you look at both Testaments, you find that God has always chosen to use people in his plan for other people. And even when you think about sin entering into the world and then Christ coming in order to give us freedom from it. You know, Paul said it this way, that by one man's offense, sin entered the world. But by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. And of course, we know that Christ came as a man in the form of man. And so that you find this dynamic of God always in his wisdom using man in his plan and purpose. So when it comes to prayer, it is that same dynamic. You, you know that on one hand, how prayer benefits the person who is praying for someone else is because it brings them also out of themselves. It always keeps us as Christians from not just being selfish, from not turning inward. Even our praying for others is a direct expression of how God is, that God has love and concern for everyone. And then as a believer, we show our love and concern, not only in our good works, but also in our praying and making supplications and requests for others. You, you know, and so that's so part of that benefit for the person praying for someone else, again, is that it takes them out of themselves, but it also is a way by God still 
affects unity among the people, how the spirit of love, because he said by this, all men will know that we're his disciples by our love. And we 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 show that love by taking out of our own time to call out someone else's name before the Lord. And though people try to devalue it, no, but that is something that we are commanded to do. James and the apostle would say, pray for one another. And then Paul would always say, and also pray for me. Yes. You, you know, that is not a light thing when a, a Christian prays for another Christian. You think about it. We're all in God's family. We those that have come to know God by Jesus. We his eyes are upon us. So why would I why wouldn't I want someone whom the eye of the Lord is upon to call upon him for me when he's already looking for them, looking for me? And then we're all saying, help us, God, help my brother and help my sister. But how it benefits also the person that is being prayed for is because. You know, the scriptures say that we should be helpers one to another. And James said it this way when he told them to pray for one another. He said, because the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous, they avail much that he, he was trying to tell them when you pray for someone. Understand if you're praying in faith, if you're praying for their benefit, God will answer and the truth is, and God will do what it is you're asking for, except he has some other reason. And I think sometimes as believers, the times that God does it another way, those times stick more in our minds than all of the other times when how we ask for it, when we ask for it, that is how God performed it. And so prayer benefits the person that is being prayed for. You think about it when people are in dire circumstances and situations where they find it hard to pray or they may be ill or they may be in the middle of some tragedy where they're unable to pray. So then someone else, then what we are, that's how we also bear one another burdens in order to fulfill the law of Christ. So I pick up you or my brother or any other sister in prayer and I take on their burden and to bring it before God on their behalf. And what does God? God will respond to it as if that individual asked, even though someone has asked on their behalf. Can you shed a bit of light on the balance of praying and doing? There are times when we'll extend the offer to pray or we're asked to pray with the caveat that, well, we need you to do something too. So will you talk us through effectively understanding praying and doing? Prayer is something that God put in place and it will never be overturned. You understand? That's why, you know, even in Proverbs, the writer had to say, he said, acknowledge him in all your ways. And he'll direct your path. He says, trust in the Lord. Yes, believe God. But even in your actions, he still ought to be acknowledged that your actions should not be taking place with 
without being in subjection to God. And the one way we do subject our actions to God is in prayer where there can be a dialogue, where the spirit of God can either speak to you or impress something upon your heart to give you the right course of action so that when people start saying, well, you just can't pray. You need to do something now when you, all of those things are assuming that people are just praying and sitting in the corner waiting for the sky to open, which is which is a slap in the face to every Christian. And then which at the flip side is a slap in the face to God who said, come to him so that as we pray, we are still going to do the things that are common to man. That's where that balance comes in. Obviously, if I'm praying and asking God, you know, for a job, then, you know, I still should do the things that are common to man as to fill out applications and look for a job because God may be directing me because I've prayed through whatever actions that I'm taking. But the other side of that, there are certain situations where the only thing you can do is pray, especially when you're dealing with others. You understand that prayer can 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 invite God's wisdom and insight and influence over a person who don't want to hear your mouth anymore. Who don't want your help, who don't want your money, who don't want your card, who don't want your flowers. So that their element is that prayer is always in order and it ought to always be first. And now actions come in that we do the things that are common to man in those situations. But but to try to flip it and make my action be the primal point is to is to rely on self-help and philosophy. And then my prayer is God bless what I'm doing. no. Prayer is inviting God into the midst of it and then asking him for his direction that 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 balance comes in of I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite God's help. I'm going to invite God's wisdom. And then depending on that particular situation, I will do the things that are common to man. And then if God in his infinite power and wisdom supersedes all of that, then, of course, that's going to be a greater way to bless and praise him. That someone calls me and offer me a job and I didn't send them an application. You understand? So you will have those types of things. And I think you can't have you can't lean either on either way. You this is why we pray. And we continually pray and we acknowledge him so that if he wants to supersede it all and say, don't fill out anything and watch me bless you. And then others, he'll, he may he may buy his spirit or they, just because they know what to do. Fill out the applications, call, do what you ask others. Do they know about a job? And God may in the midst of those actions, you understand, provide the answer to that prayer. Because you think about it, because if a person has lost their home, the, a lot of times they're going to think, well, the thing that I need is money 
or the thing that I need is a place to stay. Well, obviously, we're under commandment by the scriptures that, you know, that if we see someone in trouble and especially another Christian, you know, we just don't say be warmed and be filled. We give them of ourselves. That's not a that's not a time to have to go into prayer for that. But I think, too, because we always don't know other situations, people sometimes aren't extending themselves because they don't care or they don't want to. They may be in the same situation you're in and you just don't know it. And so that's why when that individual says, I'm praying for you, that's what they that's what they have. And the truth is, if they're calling on God who owns heaven and earth, then he's going to make sure that if they can't slide you money, he owns he owns it all. And so I think there's that there is where that cast off comes because they have an expectation. And sometimes, especially in those who who have a relationship with Christ where he really is involved in their lives, he may be doing other things. And if other things are in play, no Christian can help you out of it if it's something that God wants you to go through. You know, that's why you think about it. When Paul was in the middle of when he was going through with that thorn, people could have all the faith in the world. But that affliction was going to come to buffet him. And the only response that God gave him was that you're going to get grace for that. You're not going to get healing, though God can heal. He told Paul point blank. No, I'm not doing that. And so even in our varying circumstances and situations, there may be something that God is specifically doing in that believer's life. And when that happens, if the spirit of God is in other Christians, you know what? He will cause them to back up. Not because they don't care and sometimes not because they can't do something. But if God said, no, this is something that I'm working on and I've reserved for myself, then guess what? Then no Christian that is in subjection to the move of God and the spirit of God will lay a hand on it because God is trying to now then invoke his fatherhood. And when the fatherhood of God is in operation, prayer will never deliver you. Others concern and woes and worries and their faith and they're waking up at three o'clock to call, call out your name is not going to deliver you from God being a father to you. And sometimes when God is being a father to us, he withholds things. When God is being a father to us, he will let us pass through difficult circumstances to instruct us and to teach us. We try to use prayer as a God control method and God would never be manipulated. And so that's why you see people get frustrated and they'll say, I just don't want you to pray for me. I need for you to do something. No, you really do need a person to pray for you and pray for your mind that you will see and know and understand what it is that God is doing. Because if that particular situation, if God is fathering you and instructing you and disciplining you, you don't need my money. You need 
for me to pray for your mind that you will understand what your father is doing so you can respond to him so that then what? We can move on. What a power packed response. And you bring up an excellent point about God's fatherhood in our lives. And he invokes that fatherhood at his discretion. And and that can help us to reframe a whole lot that we see happening in our lives or for in some cases that are that's not happening in our lives, particularly when it comes to prayer. Because when you look at Job's situation, you find that. God wanted to also further bring something out of Job. When you look at the whole story of Job, you find that, first of all, God brings up his name. He says, have you considered my servant Job? Look at how he is. You, you know, now, you, we automatically know that God knows and understands all things, and he knows people. So that it, could, it wasn't about a contest between God and the devil to see what Job would do. God had already said, have you considered him? He's a just and upright man. And then what does the devil say? Well, you know, it's just because you blessed him. I was like, it ain't because I blessed him. It's because that's how he is. And so then you find that. But in the middle of that whole story, Nothing anybody could ever do was going to deliver Job out of that situation until God turned it around. And that and I think with Christians, sometimes we forget that God is grooming us and growing us up and he's going to use the things that are around us. And sometimes when people are thinking prayer isn't, quote unquote, working it's because that prayer is being directed at your circumstances and not at your mind. Because if God wants the circumstance to bring something out of you, then we're wasting energy trying to get you out of the circumstance. And that's why when a person says I'm praying for you, it should be it should be a common Part of my prayer that even though I'm praying for a person's circumstance, now I pray God bless their mind and their heart. Keep them at rest in peace. Don't let their faith be overthrown, you know, so that in the middle of me praying for their mind and their heart, it helps them to be open that if their circumstance and situation is something that God is using to discipline and to grow that their mind and heart will be open until that. That prayer will always benefit you, even if it don't benefit you always in the way that you want it to. Because we, we are carnal. We, we touch, we taste, we see, we feel. So our automatic response is to think, I need my circumstance changed. When the truth is, sometimes you need your mind changed. Because circumstances are going to always be up and down. But if you have the right mind, you can go through, whether as a testimony of endurance or as a way of offsetting what the devil is doing. Remember what Peter said? He told them, he said, 
Be sober and be vigilant. He said, because your adversary walketh about as a roaring lion. But then he he goes on to tell them, understand the things that you're going through, that your same afflictions are being accomplished with your other brothers that are in the world. He was telling them in that whole discourse about being sober about what the enemy is doing. He was also trying to tell them, don't let your circumstances make you victim to an attack of the adversary so that we have to know and understand that our circumstances can be bad, but they can open us up to an attack of the adversary. So you need the prayers of the saints, not in other Christians, not just for your circumstance to change, but that your mind and your heart also don't give out and that you can have an understanding of what it is that is going on. That's why James also told them, he told them, he said, You know, when you're praying, you know, you're going through, he says, then ask God for wisdom. Because sometimes you can go through for so long and for and and it could be so dire that if you don't have the wisdom and understanding of God, you won't be able to count it all joy when you fall into diverse uh, afflictions and and into those temptations. And so that prayer is always in order, that the dollar isn't always in order. You understand that someone coming to sit with me, that's not always in order. If God is trying to break your dependence on people, then people coming to sit with you and quote-unquote put some work behind that prayer could go counter to what God is doing. Indeed. For the final segment of our conversation, I would like to unpack a lie um, that just keeps cropping up. It's one of those things that just keeps coming up and and it's it's relentless. There is the belief that prayer can be intimidating or that only certain people can pray. Only certain people should pray. Certain people's prayers are the only ones that are heard, um, whether it's, you know, people in leadership or um, people who just seem to carry, seem to carry a greater authority in prayer. And I'll just be honest, then what happens when style of praying is thrown into the mix on both ends of the spectrum, either a more serene prayer or a more exuberant prayer, either way, one is felt to be more effective. So I'm interested in you just unpacking how um, we can really think about what's really going on and how we should approach it. I think where I'd like to start is with Jesus's whole um, discourse about John. After he asked them, you know, who did you go with, go out there to see? Reed shaking with the wind and all of these things. He gives John the Baptist one of the highest compliments of among women who said there's no greater man that was born. But he qualifies it by saying, but those who are least in the kingdom is greater than he. That if the forerunner of Christ in all of his Glory, the scriptures prophesying about John coming is all 
kind of set aside by those who come to God by Christ. That so that when we enter into Christ and we are all a part of this body, then we all know and understand we all have the same level of access that our function in the kingdom of God does not make make one uh, more readily heard of God than another. And we have to enter in knowing that because people have this mindset. Uh, well, if this person is this and if this person is that, then, oh, God will hear them. No, God's going to hear all his children. That's the first thing. Now, from the outside, you know, where it seems like God is hearing someone above someone else, there are other things that are factoring in. And I'll say it this way. Number one. Usually, those who have been set aside by God, particularly in ministry, you know, or, or in certain giftings and callings, oftentimes they're going to, number one, have the faith as they are approaching God. And number two, they may also have the, the inspiration of the Spirit of God behind them, which is helping them to pray the will of God. And so it can seem like you're like, oh, Lord, every time they've prayed for me, it seems like it just happened. It's not because God loved them more than someone else or they are better. You understand in terms of quality than someone else. But it's an outworking sometimes of their relationship with God and their faith that as they're approaching God, they're believing God. But then if they are. If they are in subjection to the spirit of God, they are then they are then relying upon the intercession of the spirit of God to help them to know what it is to even pray for. And so so that's why a lot of times when you see a pastor praying or a visiting evangelist praying or someone and you see leaders in the church when they're praying and it's like, oh, my God, when these have prayed for me, these things happen. It wasn't because God said they were better. But oftentimes those individuals, they, they do. Again, they have that faith, but also they have the inspiration of the spirit of God behind them. Now, even when you mention about, you know, you know, how does the style of prayer, you know, factor in to us praying? Well, a simple way to look at it is that the same way I think you, we, we need to approach it. The same way we do music in the church. We set particular songs and styles of songs depending on the occasion. And I think that's what should also happen in prayer. You, you know that when you look in both testaments, you see people approaching God and the outworking of it oftentimes was determined by the circumstance and situation that they were in. You know, so that when you see people like when Israel would go before God and they're interceding for their nation and for their country, that wasn't a time to say, well, oh, Lord, um, 
we just want you to just just bless us and forgive us. No, their whole nation was in trouble. So when you see the patriarchs praying and when you see the prophets praying, that's why they would say, oh, God of heaven. Please hear us. We have sinned greatly before you. Please, we don't deserve any of your mercy and any of your grace. But God, we're looking for you to overturn what has happened to us as a nation. Now, does that mean that every time the prophet or priest or that patriarch prayed that that was how they approached God? No, we have recorded prayers for specific things. When you look in the Psalms, you, you know, you would see that a lot of times those writers would be setting their prayers to song. But then look at the circumstance. Some of them, we, we wouldn't know their circumstance. David is like, this was written when he was surrounded by his enemies. They wanted to kill him. So that wasn't a time for, oh, Lord, well, you know, if he can and will. I know you just hear the simplest words at my mouth. His life was at stake. So now he's saying, oh, God, why won't you hear me? And so I think the style of prayer and, and the emotions that are involved should should suit the occasion. Obviously, as a Christian, if we are praying daily, every time we are in prayer, it don't need to end in us in tears. And why? Because of our kingdom, we are his body. We are automatically joined to him so that it, it doesn't always require a fanfare so that the emotion that I put behind it is really subject to how I am. So that if I if I'm not crying and shouting at the top of my lungs, it's not going to make that prayer more effective. Consider this, that Peter and James, they both were in jail and being held by the king for execution. Same group of people praying, same people, same group of people crying out for them. But guess what? One was beheaded because God invoked his eternal plan and purpose going forward. Then we see Peter being freed that that fervency didn't did, did not change the outcome for one. You understand, as for the other, because the thing about our prayers, what makes it effective is our faith. Yes. That is the only thing, not the not how much we cry or how little we cry, not how much we lift our voice and not how silent we get, because each circumstance and situation will call for a different approach. You understand that in the in the in a church setting where all of the believers are gathered, there is that place for you lifting up your voice because you're carrying the needs of everyone. So then it, it, it might reflect how the prophet would cry out for his nation because you're crying out for the church. God bless our church. There are so many needs. There are so many people that are going through. Mm -hmm. 
You know, as opposed to that, if I'm having my personal time with the Lord, even if I'm addressing the same things, but because it's just me there with Christ and me offering up my prayer, then it may be more serene. Lord, I'm coming before you. Remember our church. Remember my brothers and my sisters, God. You know those who have made requests unto you. You know, bless them so that each circumstance and setting may demand a different emotional outworking of it. And with that being said, our feelings can never determine whether or not God has heard our prayer. Oftentimes, we make how we feel the barometer for whether or not God heard. Or should I go further? Because God always hears. But it did God is God going to give us a response in according to what we ask for? And that could be misleading because you can cry at the top of your lungs and God not receive it because it was not given in faith. It was given as an act. It was given out of emotionalism, whereas. You know, sometimes you can just say, God, please do thus and so. And it is done as opposed to God, please do it. Come through, move. You, you know, if that's what the person is feeling, if, if they are so moved, that is one thing. But to think that God is looking for that in order to hear it and receive it, that is not true. But the very thing that makes prayer effective is the faith. That's why the writer of Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. He goes on then to say, for he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. You must know and understand that God really does exist. That if you're shaky in his existence, then you're wasting your time coming because if you don't believe that he is, then you're not going to believe as the King James Version said that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You understand that that thing that makes prayer effective is our faith in our God. You understand how we offer up that prayer in terms of style and emotionalism is not the thing that's going to make it effective because people think, well, you know, if I pray and ooh, if I spoke in tongues behind it. But if you don't understand why you're speaking in tongues behind it, because you could be speaking in tongues because the spirit of God is trying to edify you to say, no, you need to pray this way, not. You feeling that urge to speak in tongues is verifying what you're asking for. The speaking in tongues could be coming to edify you, to redirect you, to say, no, that is I'm interrupting. I'm not verifying your prayer. I'm interrupting it to say, no, that is not what they need. So that the experiences that come in prayer and the emotions and even the Pentecostal experience sometimes can be misinterpreted as an endorsement when it can be when it can be showing up to deter you. Because while the scriptures say we don't always know what we should pray for. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Oh, well, thank you. I'm actually humbled that you invited me to be a part of it. Well, there you have it. 
You know, it's no secret that for the past couple of years, there has been a great resurgence of prayer and the priority that prayer has in our lives. And in today's episode, I hope that you were encouraged to know that your prayers matter. We can be confident in praying to God and knowing that he hears us no matter who we are and no matter how we pray. I see the confusion and discouragement about prayer as just another strategy that the devil uses to keep us, to keep Christians from having victory in our lives and experiencing the true freedom that comes from walking with Christ. It makes us content to merely survive instead of thriving in life. And we're missing out. So I do hope that you will share this podcast with someone you know who might be struggling with praying and staying in connection with God. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rooted and Overflowing. To listen on your favorite app, visit rootedandoverflowing.com. When you're there, you can also click the About tab and gain access to resources that are designed to inspire you in your walk with Christ. When you rate and review the show on your favorite app, it helps me to make sure I'm sharing information that's helpful. So let me know how I'm doing and invite a friend to listen. Until next time, stay rooted in Christ and overflow with gratitude.